hear me and Adam talk about life and death and all kinds of wild shit. Stanny, what's up, boy? Hello, hello. How you doing, man? Doing great. Got a snowstorm here in Minnesota, but besides that, you know, just living life. Living life. How are your summers out there? Do they clear out or is it wild? Uh, I would have to say, I mean, I've only spent summer in Minnesota and then Arizona, so there's not much to like compare it to, Mm. but I don't think there's a better place in the United States in the summer than Minnesota. The people, just because they've been cooped up so long in like their houses for winter and all that, they just go crazy. We have lakes everywhere, so everyone just does lake days, has a good time. The operating speed is just everyone's bouncing around like crazy, and it's just, it's a lot of fun. Dude, I will say lake days are so underrated. And I go to Europe a lot, and I, I constantly tell people, I was like, you guys need to spend like a good two, three days on the lake, tubing, just baking in the sun with some good booze in you. Dude, it's it's a different kind of life. Barbecuing, <laughs> fires at night, like bonfires at night. There's sleeping out in tents. Yes. God, that, that just sounds like my entire childhood at my family cabin. You just described it. Nice, dude. I used to go uh, to a lake here, Smith Mountain Lake in Virginia, which I didn't know. It used to be like a valley with like houses and like homes. And then there's a dam and then the government, the state government decided to flood it all. They obviously told the people, everyone evacuated. <laughs> yeah. Right. But uh, there's still houses down there, man. And like we didn't know that, or at least I didn't know that. So we would do this thing where we'd get on tube or not the tube. We'd detach the tube and we'd just hold on to the little ropes. And we would just like head dive and go down deep and just like play around, whatever, like do like pretend like you're mermaid man or whatever. <laughs> but I didn't know there's like homes. Like <laughs> That's wild. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, like, so I grew up in Duluth, Minnesota, which is right on Lake Superior. And there's like, it's such a deep lake that there's some stuff down there. Like ocean liners have gone down and it's, it's interesting when you think about what's really down there that we have no clue yeah no it's sketchy then i wanted to talk about mysteries in general things we don't know about you uh you started to get really into mindset is it or what kind of spirituality type inquiries got into yeah i mean i think it's a pretty natural thing for people to wonder about the nature of reality or the universe or to have these questions uh i also think that it's very natural that those questions bring up a lot of anxiety and depression if you don't know how to properly ask the questions and then dive into that area of not actually knowing because none of us get to know um but i always loved the questions i loved asking the questions and i loved just thinking about them so when i went to i went to asu for a couple of years and i was a philosophy minor and it really just like jump started this whole journey of the journey of the self and the journey inward and it's just something that i've always been drawn to and sometimes even to a fault it's definitely brought me to some weird places but that's also just again part of that journey and figuring out you know how to navigate it wow okay steny i did not know you're a philosophy minor we're about to dig in dude oh yes, sir. <laughs> dude, i uh so i did poli sci in, in uh as a degree with a focus on national security I, I told you and i posted on my uh like schizo rant on my stories that yeah. i had like a background i was vetted for the cia and all that but in that 
education in that formation i took a lot of philosophy courses man and i would just i could get you and i know this we can get really deep into anything but how about let's start with this what was the first idea or concept in philosophy that really like stuck with you for a while i guess like in a very broad way of looking at it uh existentialism did because Mm -hmm. so i'd taken philosophy 101 in my freshman year and I loved having to think. I think actually like uh, thinking about the soul and like dualism versus I can't even remember, you know, what else it was so long ago, but like that really piqued my interest. But then existentialism um, when I was 20 years old and at school and, you know, honestly, like around that time was when I went through sort of a dark night of the soul Mm -hmm. and having that at the same time, it just threw me into it flipped my world upside down, man. I was, yeah it was crazy. So probably existentialism and just, you know, what's the meaning again, what's that purpose of why we're all here? Yeah, no, dude, thanks for being vulnerable and honest. Yeah. Especially those type of ideas can very easily lead you to a a sort of nihilistic uh, point of view. If nothing matters, nothing matters. But, um, but dude, I thank God, like, honestly, like I, my, my parents have good, like religious, uh, foundation at least in their in their south american schools that they brought into the home whether voluntarily or not like just like in their language in their framework of mind but i took it and ran with it really early as a kid i don't know why it just like spoke to me but dude i had something very similar i in college i took to drinking and just got super fat (laughs) well i got gained like 50 pounds i was reading your post about that actually i like was going through your instagram a little bit and i was reading about that yeah yeah, man, like I got like huge on beer. I bought what was known as a beer stick, which is like a syringe and just like you put two beers in there. So 24 ounces to the face and I got big. So anyways, I was feeling depressed with that and uh, my grades weren't the best. I got into a fraternity, which is awesome, but um, it was just weird. And then I was taking this philosophy class again, like the intro stuff. And they're like free will and determinism. What's real? What's not? Are you a free agent? And I'm like, fuck you guys. This is I don't <laughs> this, dude, I don't need this. And like you said, man, damned if you actually give these ideas some credence and some thought because, and I'm actually genuinely curious and, and like shocked when I talk to like friends and family, they're like, I don't entertain these ideas. I was, and I'm like, how can you not have metaphysical wonder? How can you not like actually consider these ideas? And Believe I'm, it or not, sorry, I've had family members tell me not to think about them. Yes. And I know. And it's like, a, it's difficult to not think, but B, I feel like it's immoral not to think about it, especially you're given that, like, I I think you liked one of my tweets. You, I was like, um, it is not okay to not develop your ideas. Like, you have to constantly refresh them with life experiences, playful curiosity, and, like, mental jousting. Like, that's Absolutely. what you... Absolutely. Because yeah. if you think about it, anyone that has ever created any theory that we live by, any idea... They are no different than you and me. They just decided to go down that rabbit hole and to trust themselves and that they had something, that they knew something. And I'm like, I don't honestly think that like comes from me. I think it comes through me. I think that there is something speaking through me and needs to be expressed. Yeah. Um, And you can use any language you want for that thing that you're describing. For like me, I would call it divine providence. It's like a spark of divinity within you that it has to get out. But uh, I think like even just realistically, like materialistically, logically, 
everything you and I are saying are new ideas or like even ideas of old, if they're not recorded in some way, right now, like pretty recently, pre-internet, it was like on paper, right? And before that, it was the tradition of like oral like tradition. If you don't record your ideas and you're trying to like add meat to the bones, they will get lost with you. They will die with you. And if you don't pass them down, you're doing a huge disservice. It's like another burning of the Alexander Library. If you just don't develop these ideas, that is one of the worst things you can do, I think. That's why you have to entertain these ideas, whether they're painful or not. And then you have to like constantly challenge them with other people. That's I, I just feel like it's so irresponsible to not have metaphysical wonder at all. You know? Yeah. And I mean, I also think that a lot of at least how Western society is or has become is like, first of all, we've killed all basically divinity and God and wonder. Like we live in a very strict, stringent scientific world where if you can't explain something, it we should throw it out. Whereas like a lot of what we're talking about, it's not something that you can prove, but it's something that you know. It's a deep knowing that comes from within and a lot of that has to come from periods of reflection mm -hmm. periods of you know again working with yourself writing thinking and what do a lot of western or people in the united states not do they don't think they just watch tv they're constantly consuming as opposed to you know stepping into that creator role Yes, dude, absolutely. Regurgitation. You're not creating anything original, which is we're each original. There's something each individual can offer, and that's how we get better. I'm so pleasantly shocked you're a philosophy minor, man. That's yeah, great. I mean, it's funny, too, because like I before I knew that I wanted to talk about this. So, you know, before we got on here, I was, you know, writing about my spiritual journey and like how far back I can go with it. And, you know, bringing it all the way back to being a kid and like, again, that sense of wonder and imagination and wanting to know has always been there. And it's always been something that was like growing inside of me. And now I've finally felt, you know, comfortable enough and confident enough in myself and those ideas to share them and to have that back and forth to challenge those ideas. Yeah, absolutely. What would you say is an idea that you had early on that has now changed? That's a really good question. I think, I don't know if it's necessarily changed, but probably one of the, you know, greatest discoveries of, you know, the past couple of years for myself was my ego obviously hasn't dissolved, but being able to step past the ego mm -hmm. and really figure out that, you know, I'm not my thoughts. I really struggled with that a lot. Cause the first time I heard that I was, I didn't understand what, how am I, I'm, all I do is think like, I can't do anything if I'm not thinking it's like, Oh no, like you can step past that. So that was probably like the biggest thing that's changed recently or the biggest realization. Dude, I think, I think we might be on the same philosophical like graduation field because recently I had a very similar realization. It's kind of a different flavor. It might be the same thing, some might say. I Someone told me you are not your emotions. Yeah, you're not. So yeah. have you ever heard of the book, The Untethered Soul? I've heard of it. I haven't read it, but yeah. So I had, you know, somebody this past year who I definitely, when I look back, like I was meant to know this person. They were very much so a spiritual teacher for me. And the way that I met them is, completely, completely random. 
and they shared that book with me. They gave it to me for my birthday and I read it and that book describes emotions as they're no different than objects. They're no different than this microphone. They're no different than this computer. They're just objects in your internal world that pass in front of you. Mm -hmm. And that was crazy. I was like, wait, like these emotions are emotions are things like they're not even, you know, I always, I mean, they are energetic in a way as well, but they aren't, um, they aren't as concrete as I once thought they were. I didn't know that they weren't part of me. They were something I was experiencing. Yeah. And even like the language you use, like I am angry, right? You, th you believe it's a, it's, it, it you, we're giving it more weight than it actually is. And that, uh, especially in, uh, in Spanish homes and households, and it's like Spanish way of thinking, we get ourselves carried away with emotion. Very stereotypically like, emotional, yeah. Yeah, and there's a loyalty to how you feel in in in, a, in this culture. Like, and it took a while for me to realize, wait, I don't have to cower to my emotions or bend to my emotions, which was. It might be embarrassing to say as a grown like grown ass man, but it took me real like recently to realize like I do not have to react to these. I don't. There was like a visual that was given to me that's like uh you're like waiting in the in the ocean basically, and like your emotions are kind of like a like a ocean wave. You can keep your head above the water and just feel it, like feel it, recognize it. But most importantly, the most important part of that exercise is like try to recognize the triggers that cause that emotion so you can feel it again and build that awareness and then just let it pass. You don't have to sink your head in it and let yourself get carried away by that emotion. And dude, <laughs> I'm a grown ass man, but I'm like still struggling with that. Like that's something that I'm like constantly, I've recognized so many of these emotional triggers that I wouldn't have had I not had that picture in my mind. But uh, I'm thankful for it, dude, because I've hurt a lot of people and i've hurt myself by just like feeding into those emotions but now i am thankful that i did that like i have apologized and done all that but now knowing that image i can i can actually catch myself because i know the amount of pain i can cause you know yeah and you know that is an it's an awareness and it's a consciousness of these emotions arising in you and i think there's a really big misconception as well today that like what you're doing would be oh you're repressing your emotions you're not you know you're not allowing yourself to feel and it's like no that's not the case like mm -hmm. you are you are being aware of them and then you are moving past them cuz you realize that they are just impediments to your peace mm -hmm. Yeah. And like the fact that, you know, you're saying like, oh, I almost feel behind or like I'm a grown man. And it's like, do you know how many people die not knowing how to do that? And they that's never right. they never moved past that. Like that. I mean, that's just one of the stepping stones in your spiritual journey, because like, again, I mean, emotions aren't always ego level. Like a lot of the times they are also deeper than that. But mm -hmm. they are just one of those barriers to your enlightenment at the end of the day that's that's a great word it's a journey right for everyone and yeah it's it's carved out for you it's your own path you got to figure it out uh we were talking earlier about the scientific method like you were just talking about science and i think one of the things i do appreciate about science is that it is one of the only if not the only let's call it religion but like uh ideologies Hey, it's a religion today to some people. I know, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's, but it's like one of the only like big ideologies that 
is supposed to at least plead ignorance. It starts from a place of ignorance. It says, we don't know this. We don't know things. We, we openly admit we don't know. But with uh, testing, with the scientific method, testing, 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 data, 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 we can get a good idea of an answer until it is challenged yet again, and then we change it. We're open to changing. We admit ignorance. No church will say that. So I have huge respect for the scientific method. But like you said, it's kind of like a religion nowadays. You uh, have like a very old scientific idea. And if you challenge it after like it's been unchallenged for like 100 years, you will be met with great resistance, which is unfortunate because the scientific method is super cool. And I think it, it's not an, I don't think it's antagonistic to religious or uh, spiritual development. I think they can go hand in hand in a lot of ways. I think they I think they need to. I think that is like our next evolution is finding a way to have a marriage between the two. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think the Eastern philosophy, like uh, Alan Watts, the great popularizer of Eastern philosophies, I think like there is so much about just the like Eastern idea of like collectivism and like and, like inner awareness like just sitting in with yourself that is so powerful if you marry it with a western like nietzscheism of like you are the ubermensch like you gotta like step above morality step above the collective there, i feel like there's two sides that are not antagonistic but rather complementary to each other and i think that science is an um, not an umbrella but it's maybe like a third agent, third part of that, that like marries this ideological, like religious East-West thing with like a objective lens that could like tie it all together. If all of them could work together, it would be really nice. Yeah, obviously, like if everything could work out, everyone would work, everything would work out. Um, I have to say, though, like my scientific background is almost less than zero. So Funny, Based. Enough, <laughs> funny for me um so like my act scores right for reading i had like a 35 uh and then for science i had like a 20 <laughs> so it's just like the absolute like just opposites of me gotcha that's interesting dude. that's wild i know <laughs> when i got that test score back i was like holy shit i'm smart holy shit i'm not smart <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Who are your um let let's not do top three. Who's who's like the philosopher you admire the most? That's another good question. Um honestly, like in the past couple of years, it has been a lot of Alan Watts. Like he was one of those people who really, you know, opened my eyes to Eastern philosophy and really again he mainstreamed it for so many people. Also kind of funny, did you know that he was almost always drunk when he was giving his talks? Is that real? I thought those were rumors. Is that real? I, I don't know. Maybe it was a rumor and that's what I heard too. But yeah, that's what I'd heard. Um, which would be kind of, I don't know if I'd take that like well or what I would think about that. But um, him or, damn, I'm blanking. Like he's definitely not my favorite if I'm blanking on his name. But who wrote The Stranger? Is Camus. that you? No, I think it was Camus. Oh, Albert Camus. Yeah. Okay. So him, because I think like the stranger. So I read that as part of my existentialism class or like an excerpt from it. And I think I was so amazed by the fact that he felt nothing. 
because it was definitely a time where I felt like I felt nothing. I felt like there was all these things happening to me, um, especially in my personal life. I had, you know, some very, very serious things happening with some family members. And I almost felt like I wasn't feeling them. Like I was like, oh, I feel like I should almost be taking this harder. Why am I, you know, how am I finding a way to be okay with this? And I recently reread it again this year and I really dove back into it and it threw me in another tailspin again. It's like, it's such a great book and he's such a great writer about the absurd and how to, how to really grapple with the absurd. Albert Camus, man. Yeah. Did you like, cause you're told to feel guilty if you feel like an absence of like feelings, right? Like, yeah, yeah I mean, and like, I definitely didn't have an absence of feelings. It was like, that was all a little bit, you know, self-made. Um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely think if you can handle things better than say maybe the normal person, whatever you want to like, how right. to phrase that. Um, like sometimes I think you can feel that people look at you differently or look at you as if something's wrong or like you aren't truly sad or disappointed or whatever because of an event. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah. I read his um A Happy Death a while ago. I've it's never like heard a, of that. Yeah, it's um it's a story about this guy who basically feels like you said, empty, doesn't feel anything. Um goes like the, I remember one passage in particular, he like goes and meets with a woman, a lady, does some things, you know, and he's just like, I don't feel anything, I don't feel anything. And yeah, it was just like, I'm like, at first I would take a break and I was like, what am I reading? Like, what, what is this? And then um, I realized like he's writing about life. Like some things don't always break that threshold of like what you, what you think it should. And it's, uh, who else, who said this? Was it Oscar Wilde? Like two of the worst things that can happen is like, you don't reach your goals. And the other one is like, you reach it. Like, you yeah, always want I've to heard that before. I don't know who said it, but I've heard that before. Yeah. You want to be growing. If you don't progress, you're, you're decaying and. Yeah, man. Oof. Yeah, deep stuff. Whoever listened to this, you're in for a you're in for a treat, dude. Yeah, uh, you know who I I always when I started a I start a book I like finish it right like that's like mm -hmm. the thing. So I'm so proud of that. Whatever. Same. I I had to turn to that as well. Like you have to finish it. You got to right. The first and only time I started a book and had to put it down. Uh, was Nietzsche, dude. Nietzsche, uh, I, I was reading um, Beyond Good and Evil. I got like 50 pages deep and I was like, I cannot handle this. Like, <laughs> yeah. this, this is crazy. And crazy speaking, at the time I was living in Hawaii. Like, I was like trying to enjoy myself. Like, this is a great time. And then he's like, all of Western morality is built on like the Greeks and we've never changed it. And I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, people believe in the absolutes. Like, the uh, platonic like model like and i'm like holy shit you're right we have not advanced and, you, and yeah it like messed me up you know i was like i don't even want to consider these ideas dude what are you doing to me yeah the so it's funny because like i'll share one of the only books that i purposely like picked up and read and had to put down and it was man's search for meaning and i mean it was just it was so much and i can't remember how old i, I think i was like 19 and I was yeah. trying to read it and I got maybe 80 pages in and just the horrors of everything and like being 
so young at the time, like I had to put it down. And then this past year I went back and I read it. And um, I mean, in a weird way, what a beautiful piece of work because like understanding that the, the final line of defense in really everything in your life, all the events that happen to you is you choosing what you're going to do about those events. And like knowing that there is this, um, like you can step back and you can take a second. You don't need to react right away. Um, I mean, just life-changing really. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's giving you your agency back if you thought you lost it. Yeah. And I, I think that's also, again, something that most people struggle with is like thinking that they don't have agency over their own lives. Yeah. Dude, I uh, I had a good talk with Zach in one of the podcast episodes about like free will and determinism. And I believe there's like in like a mix of the two. That's the only way I've, I've stayed sane so far. <laughs> the way I like see it is like a connect the dots where there are points of life that have been predetermined for you by the universe, by God, by grace, whatever you want to call it. Boom, boom, boom. You have to hit these. But the free will comes in between the dots, how you get there. So that's how I've been living my life. I believe that uh, it's a blend of the two. To believe that you have no free will, I feel like that's A, dangerous, but B, it's um, super depressing. And then like, yeah. C, it's, it's, it's also like, you can't have true good if you don't have a choice to be evil, right? If you have the guardrails up where you can't like actually commit horrible monstrous things and then you purposely from within choose to act and live in a life of true virtue then you're not truly virtuous you know yeah absolutely it's like the jordan peterson thing where like if you're a bunny rabbit and you don't hurt anybody it's not because you're good it's because you can't it's not like you have to have that ability and then you have to have it under control for you to truly be good um, so, yeah. And then I want to go back to that free will and determinism for a second, because I have a super similar my like it is a blend of the two. But I go so far as like in those staple events in your life that are those predetermined things, mm -hmm. even in those moments, you have your free will. Um, and it's up to you to have done that work on yourself to make the right decision. Cause you can make the wrong decision in those predetermined moments mm -hmm. and through fear or others opinions or being scared or what have you, you can make the wrong decision and you mm -hmm. can go down the wrong path. Um, because I also agree. Like, I think like basically all of our lives are laid out in front of us before we're born. Like I read this great book. Um, well, it was two books. One was the Celestian prophecy. And then the second one, the sequel to it was the 10th insight. And in the 10th insight, it talks about how like you have a soul group. And before you are born, you personally like plan out your life and you have these things. And if you follow your path and you follow your intuition and the synchronicities laid forward for you, you are able to achieve what you truly wanted to achieve and what you needed to in that life. Um, but again, if you, fall into fear if you fall into lust if you fall into all these things that knock us off course you can end up where you weren't supposed to be wow 
Okay, so you'd be knocked off course completely, or would you just postpone the inevitable, like until you like repeat the lesson until you learn it? I think it's more of like a succession. So like you can make you know that wrong decision, but you can get back on course if you realize, oh, you know what, I messed up there. I you know I made this mistake because of this reason or that, and then you can get back on course. But the problem is there's that upward and downward spiral. Mm-hmm. What do you do when those events happen? And you make that wrong decision and it maybe you're nihilistic and you're like, hey, this is my opportunity to go all the way bad if I want to, you know, because yeah. we all have those. We all have those events in our lives where like I have plenty. I'm sure you have plenty where you could have ended up completely differently. But because of your willpower and your choices, that free will, you have become somebody worth respecting. That's so true. You, you could always feed into it. Um... Wow, dude, that's a really good one. Oh man, dude, those four cups of coffee. Thank God, dude. Dude, yeah, no, I, I, I didn't drink coffee this morning. I, uh, I, I didn't want to risk it, you know. <laughs> that's that's a good one, man. I, I, I appreciate that idea, because um, it's like a hell on earth, but you have to live with your actions. You're, you are a collection of your actions. That's who you are at any given moment. You're a snapshot of your decisions. And to feel in your bones that you are off course must be horrendous, dude. And it's all cut because of your own self. Yeah. And I mean, why do you think we have so many people with substance abuse issues? Because or not only substance abuse, like people who habitually watch TV and drown out any of that reflective thinking time. And it's because, yeah, that's depressing. It is depressing to be in that position where you know, you are where you, you're not where you want to be. And like, I love Jocko Willink and his, you know, um, what is it? I can't remember. Extreme ownership. Yeah, extreme ownership. And like, that's your, not only is that your only way to get anywhere good, but if you're bad, you have to, if you're in a bad place, it's your only way forward. Yeah. And um, I was learning the way about how to do that because there's like, his is discipline, right? It doesn't matter how you feel. Motivation is fleeing. Like just discipline, have a system and show up every single day. But I was learning with through Arlen's course, man, men and women, masculine, feminine. And I understand there's like masculine females and, and feminine men. It doesn't matter. But there's like a certain type of framework and way typically. And I'm using generalizations here because that's what generalizations do. They help serve. Yeah. Of people, I hate right? when people have problems with generalizations. It's like yeah. they're there for a reason. Like we need them to discuss ideas. Exactly. Like, I play with Excel like in my in my consulting job. Like that, like all we do is models. Like there's gonna be outliers, but we're not talking about the outliers. We're trying to help as many people as we can. Anyways, all that to say, through Arlen's course, and Arlen said it beautifully, it's like men are motivated by negative energy. What the fuck are you doing, dude? You're fat as shit. Hey man, are you a loser? Like, what are you doing? You're not supposed to do that shit. Or like, hey man. This time last month, you said you'd do this. Well, show the fuck up. And that motivates you, right? That negative energy like pulls you, like pushes you forward. Whereas with women, generally, they need positive reinforcement. Like, hey, you're looking great. Or like, hey, I see you doing in the work, putting in the work. Like, this is great. This is awesome. Like that. And just the communication style is something that I would overlook. I thought words, I thought language didn't really mean anything, really. But uh, it does. And just understanding different because their neurobiology is different like i i actually thought we're like oh we're both homo sapiens sapiens like 
it's it's fine, but it's actually different. They're actually different. We're different from each other. And just appreciating the differences, honoring the differences is not a bad thing. I feel like you would actually connect much better with each other if we were to just honor those differences. So language is a huge one I'm learning now because I used to talk to like them like bros and I thought like, yeah. oh, like I'm just being comfortable. Like, and honestly, like it helped me out a lot because I'm comfortable around. I'm talking to, oh, this is like my friend. I, I see the conversation how I want, whatever. Like I'm having, I'm going to tell the joke. This is a good bit. Objectively, this is a good bit. Like she's going <laughs> to Right. And so, but like, it, it like serves in a good way, but when it comes to like emotional regulation, emotional connection, which is what I struggled with in my past relationship is like the emotional side of things. I didn't realize I had to like completely honor the completely different like human I'm looking at, you know, it was just completely different. I do. And honestly, if you, we would have had this podcast a month ago, I would have not been able to understand that, but I just read the way of the superior man. And yes, it literally opened, like, I mean, so much of it, I somewhat intuitively knew, but I definitely, like you, struggle in relationships with that emotional side and knowing how, it's almost like a dance. Like, you have to learn how how to move, how to express yourself and how to let them express themselves and just all of that. Yeah, and it's a powerful book because especially today there's a lot like say we want to talk about depression because of the fact that men are negatively motivated like you said and women are need positive affirmation to work their way through something or to try and do more of that like we can't treat men's depression the same way that we treat a woman's depression like we can't solve them the same ways and the problem today is like I don't think so. Obviously, everyone knows that men, you know, commit suicide at higher rates. They have higher levels of depression, all this. I don't think that's because we've been repressing everything and because we've been forced into this hyper masculine role. I think it's because we are being treated in a feminine way. I think it's because men are all living in their feminine. And then we're trying to solve these men's problems with how we'd solve a feminine woman's problems. And it's just that doesn't help us. We need that negative impulse or, you know, situation to propel us forward. Yeah. And like before with before this call, we were talking about the importance of community and brotherhood, like actual fraternity. Yeah, that that helps a lot because we need to be pushed. We need to be spoken to differently. And then, yeah, man, I feel like the blending of these two worlds is not helping anybody because at the end of the day, whether you're a girl, whether you're a guy, you want to be understood and you want to you want to get better and get out of that hole. I don't think it's doing anyone any service trying to pretend we're the same. We're not. I'm not saying one is superior to the other. I'm saying we're both different and unique and we should honor that. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I all I can say is I wish more people thought like that because it is a weird world we live in when you say men and women are different and they work differently and you're met with this opposition and you're met with this oh, you're, you're a sexist. You're this, you're that. It's like, whoa, whoa, like slow down. Like we, like, this is a very, this is something that everyone has lived by for as long as human history spans back. This is what made us successful. This is what got us here. Like, why are we throwing this away now? And then, I mean, over the last 20 years, especially, I feel like we have thrown it away. And when you look around at society today, does it look like we're in a good place? Does it look like 
you know, if something were to happen, say there was a world war, like something we're very close to and looking at, like, yeah. would you trust the majority of men in the United States right now to fight with you? I would not. No, absolutely not. There's a psyop at like, it's such a huge level that I don't think people realize or even agree with what I'm about to say, but it's the truth. Uh, females, like of your society, that is the most valuable resource of your society. That's what you're protecting because they will mother the future generations. They like educate future generations. That is literally the most valuable member of your society. To the point, like we even like hinted that if you look at every like name of like, Traditionally speaking, of like female names, they're all like flower related. It just shows that they're beautiful. They're divine. Divine, like it must be protected, right? And so, males, we have more strength. We might have more like brawn, whatever it is, but it's testosterone. It, testosterone, but but <laughs> it but it's not there for us. It's there for them, and it's actually we are expendable. And rather than like bitch about it, like we should honor that, like. I am more than willing and multiple times I put myself in harm's way for a girl or for my mom or for some people because that's what I'm supposed to do. Like, and, and it's not, it's, it's like a crazy idea nowadays to hear like, Hey, I know that me and all these dudes, we are expendable and that's what we're supposed to do because Lord forbid the enemy comes in here and gets access to all these girls. They're going to completely wipe the map with them. Like it's going to be bad and not just like genetics. I'm not talking about, I'm not just talking about violence. I'm talking about like, philosophically you can pump a whole generation of like enemy people in like a generation or two and it's it's i don't think people i don't think men realize that we need more masculine men because that protects women and children in turn you know yeah and i mean speaking from my personal experience so a year and a half ago i became an uncle to a beautiful baby little girl and she like completely changed my mindset on what I was here to do. I'm here to protect. I'm here to preserve what's right. And I'm here to make a better world for her. Yeah. And like, and then I can take that again. Like, I mean, like I still want a great place for my dad and all the males in my life, but like, I, I need to protect them. Like it, it's not even, it's not an, it doesn't come from my ego. It comes from, this is my duty here. And like, and, you know, some people will turn that around and be like, oh, you don't think women can protect themselves? It's like, no, that's not it. It's just that is what I feel I need to do. It has nothing to do with them. It's all about, like, my duty and what I feel I'm called to do and what my job in society is and what it has always been. Right, right, exactly. Duty. And it's something that you feel in your core. You're like, I am not scared to do this like this is something above me like this is a values thing this is a family thing this is this is a duty thing and it's uh it's more important than me the individual so dude talking about more like philosophy and like individual stuff um let's revisit nihilism real quick because i yeah for sure i think one of the things about that and maybe is leading to this is nihilism and um as people may know nietzsche's uh, quote god is dead a lot of people think he's like celebrating that's like a celebration like, he is, is not dead. celebrating no dude it's a it's a lamentation he's lamenting it man we we killed god and we did that through these uh, do you know how often i quote that i say that oh, all the time 
Well, people need to hear it. Yeah, no, people like this was such a misunderstood guy. Nietzsche was his ideas like really, really help you because if nothing matters, like actually, okay, I don't think everything cuts the black at the end. That's just personally to me. But let's say nothing matters. Say this is it, right? If nothing matters, then it's the complete inverse. Everything matters. This is it. You like you only got what eighty years on this earth, like. All right, if it ends, it ends. Like, take advantage of it. Don't loathe about it. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, and I mean, I completely agree because I've said, basically, since I really had a concrete understanding of what nihilism was, I've looked at it as the enemy. And I don't think that it is possible to be, live a happy life. Like, I get happiness as an emotion, but to live an enjoyable life, you can't be nihilistic because meaning and purpose are what make life enjoyable. Because like you, <laughs> if you're suffering all the time and you don't have a purpose as your North star, like I have a purpose. My purpose is to try and make this world a healthier, happier place. Because I have that purpose, no matter what happens to me, no matter if my family members die or I get struck with disease or, you know, whatever have you, if I can somehow continue to chase that purpose, my life is okay because that is my desire. Like that is what I am aiming at. And like nihilism, especially I had to talk to, so I have a best friend. We went to daycare together. So we've known each other since we were two. I'm 23 now. So we've known each other for two decades, grew nice. up six houses away from each other, like an absolute brother to me, but he is at his core. He's nihilistic. And I've mm -hmm. had to, bridge that subject with them of, Hey, this is not going to help your mental health. This is not going to help you be happier. And like, I, I want to help you and I want to see you shift out of this. Yeah, no. And you're a good friend for doing that, man. It's, it's poisonous at every angle of that word. It's not life affirming mm -hmm. and life. Let's consider that it's the only thing we have. Say there is no afterlife. Why would you poison what you have? What so many before you have like died and they've tasted it and they're gone. And so many million have never reached it, will never reach it. You don't know what you have. To not appreciate it is disrespectful on like a blasphemous level, dude. Like you have life. Yeah, I, I don't I agree. I'll never understand why just because it ends, people don't think that it has meaning like just because it ends like and, and i don't i don't believe that it's blackness after either uh yeah. but like just the fact that it ends is honestly again what makes it meaningful like if it is if it doesn't last forever that's that's the meaning like because yeah. if it lasted forever what's the point exactly i'm reminded of genesis in like the garden of eden so a lot of people remember the tree of uh good and evil which is what the uh adam and eve ate from yep. right and so when we ate from that tree we gained knowledge of good and evil like morals and stuff that's when we recognize ourselves as naked those who didn't eat from you've been reading some jordan peterson dude yeah i love it <laughs> those who didn't eat from that apple from that tree are animals like animals have no shame in being naked they don't know good and evil they don't have morality they don't have that like divine spark and they, they, oh, they, they, they exactly they, they have no idea 
but there was a second tree a lot of people don't know about is the tree of like life life and death like had we eaten from that tree we would live forever and we would be technically gods because we would have knowledge of good and evil and we would have uh immortality and so i think it's not a mistake like why would you like oh we should have eaten from that tree it would be gods i think we are actually in a super sweet middle ground because we have a taste of the divine and we have a taste of the flesh of the earth and mitigating between that is what makes it so much more valuable to be human because we have a divine spark, I believe, or whatever you want to call it, but we have something in us that screams, look up and appreciate. And then we have in something deep in us that's like, I can feel and be one with the earth and eat, eat the fruits and eat like dance in the river, like do all this stuff. And I think, uh, I, I, I think like that is not a bad thing that we die. It's such a beautiful thing that we die. It is. And I think like death is honestly the perfect subject to end this podcast on because like the ending is just an, as important as the beginning. And, yeah. you know, a couple of years ago, cause I I've struggled with depression at different points in my life, but the more overarching struggle has been the struggle of anxiety because I've always had a very active imagination. And when you're a kid, that imagination is fun, but then you start growing up. And if you don't have control of that imagination, that can cause a lot of anxiety. And a few years ago, I, so that podcast I was telling you about before I was going for the interview and I was super, super anxious. And so I sat down with my journal and I decided I want to find like, what am I anxious about? And so I traced it back and I traced it back and I traced it back to where I truly believe all of human anxiety stems from. And it's the anxiety over death. Mm. That is the, that because what else is there to be afraid of besides death? Like that, that's the end all be all. Um, and that's the greatest unknown that any of us will ever hopefully experience. Maybe we don't, doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, but if you can look at that and you can look at death and it no longer is something that scares you, that is how you know that you're on that path. Because I was actually talking with my mom about this a couple of nights ago, because I have a couple of family members who have, you know, dementia and Alzheimer's and they've lived you know, to the point of they can't speak, they can't do anything. And that's like a very scary thing. And so me and my mom, we were talking about dying. And I told her, I was like, you got to get to the point where those last moments that you're going to have, do you want them to be scared of what's to come? Or do you just want to be grateful for what you experienced and curious about what could possibly come next? Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, that that's a tough, uh, tough choice. But it's a reality that's much better to live in than the reality of just worrying about what if. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, dude. I also have a family with um, like psychosis and like in in that family of stuff, dude. You know what? That is a whole nother like subject, dude. Imagine having a reality stacked on this one that like you and I think we share. Like I don't know what's real technically. I don't want to get right it. exactly. <laughs> but like. That is so sad to see because uh, at the end of the day, your brain is what determines everything. And that your brain is just like a mass of fat and electricity. Anything could go wrong. You An unbelievable amount of electricity. It's insane. Like you will see things that aren't there. You will hear things that aren't there. You will feel like it's just crazy how uh, sensitive it is. And if you believe in like the 
allegory of the cave, Plato's, or like modern day, what do they call it, the Matrix, or you, if you believe that there is a, basically that everything's a simulation, then you can't believe like anything's real. And like, I don't know what age you were when you came to, like with your consciousness. I, I remember my first memories were when I was two years old. Like, it's kind of like a video game. You just like, just spawned, right? And you have to like, believe what you're told that happened in history, everything before you happened. You have to be programmed. You have to be programmed, exactly. And like, everyone lies as they rewrite history. So the victory belongs to spoil. And I don't just think it's things in the past, like things actually happening right now. It doesn't even have to be like a big deal. Like what's happened with 9-11, they lied about all kinds of things in like present day. Uh, you can be present at an event with like five people and they've all seen five different things. And then that just gets rewritten. So I just think the whole thing about psychosis and, and like reality is just so terrifying to me. Um, but there's like, Again, there's not much you can do about it, but like present an aura of calm and peace to these people and their family members and and others. Because if you just go down that rabbit hole that, hey, it doesn't even matter, by the way, your doctor's an NPC and like all this kind of stuff, like <laughs> it, 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 you can go like crazy. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of goes with the rant that you posted yesterday and what you ended it with. And you ended it with, I can't, you know, remember exactly what it was, but... I agree. You need to just work on making your life and the people around you's lives better and more peaceful and being that peaceful presence and being that rock. And, you know, people will gravitate towards that. I have seen that. And not only can, will they gravitate towards it, it spreads. Yeah. It spreads as in, contagiously as negativity does. And so if you can be that positive light for people, it's just, that's again, what's going to save the world. Like that's, in my eyes, that's what'll save the world. Exactly, man. Well put. Well put. We uh, just got to be the champion of our lives. Uh, for those who don't know, I ranted on the whole Ukraine thing. I think it's insane how we're getting dragged into something that has nothing to do with us and all that. But again, at the end of the day, I don't consume news. It's been like four years since I like actually man. watched. <laughs> like, it just this one like thing like uh, slipped into my DMs, and I was like, you know what, this is insane. Let me say something. But at the end of it, you need to just reject all propaganda, realize most things are outside of your hands and just be the champion of your life and just be as positive as you can be, motivate the people in your circle and just be a force of light and good and you'll die and that's a good thing. So, Dude, I don't know if there's a better place to end it than right there. Yeah, man, dude, I appreciate it, dude. This has been absolutely fun, man. We got we to gotta talk about, uh, we got to dedicate like certain episodes to like, Kant and and shopping yeah, out. Yeah, dude, I would be down to do so many more of these because, like, I think when I wanted to have or when I was working on my own podcast, like, this is what I envisioned this type of discussion. Yeah, um, and it's definitely something that it needs to be out there. Yeah, dude. Yeah, we'll have like direction in our next episode. It'd be like Schopenhauer, boom, or like uh, Hegel, boom. Like, yeah, but... I love it. All right, hey, thanks for having me on. This is an absolute blast. Of course, Adam. Appreciate it. Thank you for being on. Take it easy, man. Appreciate it. Peace. Sweet.